Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode three of the men's mental health mini series. And I have a person I've been following on social media for a while on today that I'm so excited. I was able to convince to come talk to me on the podcast. Um, Christopher Scott is a Portland local and foodie and social worker and so many other things. Um, But that is the hashtag algorithm that probably brought me to him. Um, Chris, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and uh, why men's mental health is so important to you. Sure. Yeah. uh, You know, my name is Christopher Scott from the Portland area. Um, And why men's mental health is important, because I feel like there's a lot of, um, we've been told a lot of, like, false things, or not really false things, but things that, like, you know, can be um, altered, you know, and I feel like, you know, there was, like, a hard line of, like, men do this, women do that, you know, those kind of, like, stigmas and and boundaries and, um, you know, gender roles, and I feel like uh, I like to kind of speak to that those things aren't as important as we make them out to be for ourselves, right? So, um, so yeah, I just like to kind of, uh, you know, give it a new perspective on, you know, like what things could look like, should look like, you know, and really just, you know, mental health or, you know, like whatever you want to do with your life is up to you and society doesn't, you know, put those things, you know, on your own reality. Yes, of course, um, you know, like, there's so many, you know, like societal um, influence on our lives. And I like to kind of shut those down as much as I can. Totally. I love that. Um, What were you taught about like boys and their feelings and mental health growing up? Like what was the kind of programming that you received that you've maybe had to like actively fight or not fight right um so you know i mean um i i mean being black also like it kind of adds another layer to things right so like um so like you're really just doing things for like survival so like um you know i didn't really want to appear that that i was like soft right you know like i had to kind of appear that i was ready to like fight whatever a fight presented itself and that's just like surviving where I grew up you know not crying you know you know mom or my mom and dad well you know uh, ironically you know my mom more than my dad told me like to not cry in public and you know think those things are like you know if, if somebody hits you you gotta hit them back which you know I don't disagree with but I feel like you know I, I feel like those conversations should have a little more follow-up than mine did, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so yeah, just kind of, you know, be tough, be rough, be rugged, you know what I'm saying? Uh, kind of be, be macho, you know, those kind of things that I was just kind of like presented when I was younger. And as I got older, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, uh, being okay with shaking the fact that, you know, maybe I'm not going to be the first one to, fight you know what i'm saying or or you know maybe sometimes i do feel like lonely or like i do want to cry or i do you know or i do get sad those kind of things so um it's been a journey for myself really just kind of you know um actually when i got to the social work program 
and started meeting like other social workers and we would have these conversations that most common people won't have, you know, just because the education and social work, um, not, you know, not that it's like that great, but it does kind of, uh, you know, uh, give you a look of like, you know, how to look, you know, into like into certain things, how to look into trauma, how to look into, uh, you know, um, self-reflection, things like that. So since I've been an adult, it's been like a journey of kind of being okay with just being like the person that I am. And, and you know, um, looking back on my life and, you know, having some grace for myself because there's a lot of things that I just was was trying to just implement because of my surroundings and, you know, just, I was just trying to figure it out like everybody else. So. Do you feel like you were, are particularly like sensitive in childhood and like, did that, that kind of like, you're not allowed to cry in public, like be rough and tumble kind of a, um, programming that you heard, was that confusing to you or was that just kind of like normal? Uh, I wouldn't say it was confusing because I just didn't know any better. <laughs> so, like, I didn't have anything to kind of, like, um, you know, uh, like, you know, like, I wasn't fighting an internal battle, but it, but it was kind of just like I didn't have any, I didn't really have anywhere to, like, express myself. So it was more like that, right? It was more like I just didn't really know, like, where I belonged. So I guess it was confusing that way. Because like, I knew I wasn't, like, trying to go out and be in the streets, you know. Um, I mean... I was kind of just speaking and I think that's just the way it was, you know, when I was a kid, you know, like you just kind of had some element of street life. Right. But, um, but, but I definitely felt like I couldn't like express myself the way I wanted to without like people saying like, Oh, that's wrong. Or you shouldn't do this. Or you shouldn't do that. Or you do it this way. So yeah, I definitely had those kind of those battles and it, and it just resulted into, into me, like keep it to myself a lot, you know, um, you know, if I were to go back and to do it again, I probably would have had a journal or something like that, you know, just because I had a lot of thoughts and I, I just barely wrote them down. I just kind of, you know, stuck to, I just kept them to myself. And um, yeah, it was, it, it was definitely times where like, I just, I just, did, I just didn't want to be bothered, but because I didn't want to look like I was soft, I would, you know, do things anyway. So yeah. Um, Looking back, there was definitely a lot of kind of, um, you know, just conflicts of myself and, and, and what society had, you know, put up, you know, put upon me. So, um, so and it's just, it's just like a lot of bullshit that I still see that our young men are dealing with today. I know for some odd reason, we think that we're like miles ahead in the mental health realm, but, but as I work with, youngsters on the daily um i can tell you that we are in fact not <laughs> i know and that is so funny that like people will really be offended by that idea when it's brought up right like um like it's so much it's so much easier for generations now or there's so much more you know conversation happening and it's like well conversation or dialogue about about things isn't funding for services and resources it's not um like culturally appropriate services or like you know it's just that <laughs> talking about it maybe a little bit more like our kids having some language like isn't it's not it doesn't amount to a whole lot for them right. and having an easier experience 
Right. So yeah, and yeah, and it's still like you know, it's still like jock culture around. You know, I still talk to young men who think you know uh, people are you know soft or you know the world is getting soft. Or, it's like they took like the like old people's like lingo about our generation and just used it for their generation. So like even though they're in this generation, they still say things like people are soft these days. It's like well, you you are the you are the people these days. Like, like, so what are you talking? Like, what are you talking about? So, so I feel so. Yeah, it's just, it's just like you know, yeah, it still kind of repeats itself. And you know, I, I, like, if you're like in a bubble, you're like, oh yeah, you know, the world is so much. You know, we're so open about having these conversations. You see, you know, mental health on talk shows and things like that. But it's not, it's not really trickling down to like the. You know, to the masses is as if I were to just like like I said, stay in my bubble. I would think that everything is great, but when you got to work in the field, you see that it's not. Totally, I was actually just having a conversation with someone the other day about like, do you know what happens in psychiatric inpatient facilities? Like, do you know that so many of our folks with like intellectual and developmental disabilities are still living in state run institutions. They got dropped off at in the whenever forties, fifties, sixties, like, like people who aren't working in the field don't realize that like every single day there are children and adults being physically restrained and having intramuscular, you know, medications like, put in their body without their consent often because of like behavioral behavioral issues and air quotes caused or like prompted right. by staff who are untrained and not really invested in the outcomes of the individuals. Right. And in those systems are, yeah, it's like, you know, you move when I tell you to move. And if you don't move, then we make those decisions for you. And it's not, and it's not often, you know, not often pretty. So if you have someone who, like you said, who has like the, you know, those ID things where they can't really, you know, cognitively put those pieces together, but you're asking these questions to like, hey, you know, like I need you to stick to the strict schedule because this is kind of how we do it in inpatient. And then they can't figure that part out. And then what happens is, yeah, you got about 10 staff on them that, you know, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> the system is absolutely not as quote unquote progressive as people want to believe. And then it's like when it's maybe brought to their attention, it's so uncomfortable that they don't want to learn, right? Because like it, nobody wants to hear these stories, right? For sure, because they are hard, you know, like. There's a few uh, students that I work with at, at my school that it's like, man, like if you were if you were like in a different placement, like it, it would just be it would, it would be hard because not because you want to do bad. It's just, you know, like or I hate to say the word bad, but it's not like you don't like it's not like you want to be the way you are. But it's just, you know, that's just kind of how you're wired. But because in these situations, like, in, you know, in these different programs, they have like these strict rules that. If you don't follow these strict rules, then we like you know have our policy to keep you safe. So, and yeah, so it's yeah, I, um, it's hard to. And the, the reality of it is, is that, like there's no really there's no science that that backs mental health. 
like as a grand scheme of thing, right? Like, of course, we have like you know, if you're a person that just like has a depressive episode, and I hate to say the, like the word just, but let's say like you know, like you have you have like all your other protective factors met, right? You had a bump in the road to cause you to have a depressive episode. Now that person can go to therapy. They can, you know, they have the resources, they have insurance, and they can kind of, you know, do ten therapy sessions, you know, and more than likely be able to kind of cope and move on with life. Right? That's like what we think mental health is as a whole. When really it's not. It's like society is paying bills. It's um, you know having like safe spaces. You know, um, having like kind of safe messaging to like you know you know that 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 you care you know you know you know um that you're worthy um having enough money to pay bills having like a having like the least stressful life as possible like that's like what mental health is and i feel like you know our systems aren't really made to like to to support those people that can't really do it for themselves right you know and um you know, I know, I know we talk about the homeless crisis in this, and or the homeless crisis in, in you know Portland, but it's like, like you had to have known that if you make all these high end apartments, that people were not going to have places to live. Like, 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 like I just refuse to believe that you know all these people who made these buildings to improve these you know two thousand dollar a month places, these three thousand dollar a month places didn't like just didn't think that oh well you know everybody can afford these no like that's not how it works so like i so i just feel like we're like in a gaslight situation where these people talk about the homeless crisis but also go in rooms and you know say all right this project is approved you know so i don't know so no i'm so glad you brought that up right you know and to me like those kind of things to me are like real mental health you know discussions yes therapy is great but honestly you know what I'm saying? You you got to be a really well put together person for therapy to like work. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like if you're not, you know, like if you're too far gone, you sitting in a room talking to someone, you know what I'm saying? Ain't really going to work that well. So, but I feel like the thing that kind of, you know, blinds us is like, you know, our kind of society that tells us that we need more, we need you know, houses, we need cars, we need, you know, these things, but we don't really address, like, the people who can't really, like, you know, get those things, right? So, like, we have, like, you know, ambition works if you can work, right? If I can't wake up in the morning and, uh, you know, brush my teeth, you know, there's no motivated speaker that's going to help me with that. <laughs> so... Yeah, absolutely. Um, My, the practice that I work in is almost completely Medicaid um, funded individuals. Um, There's like a few like grandfathered in private um, paying clients or private insurance paying clients. But, you know, it's like if I meet an individual who is like unable to get their basic needs met, which when you're living at the, you know, federal definition for poverty that you meet Medicaid funded services, like you're struggling to meet your very basic needs. And then here I am this like 
white lady that has, you know, an apartment that I'm able to keep independently. And like, there's already that kind of like Mm -hmm. thing interrupting the therapeutic relationship as well, you know? So sometimes I wonder like, how much am I also interrupting the process by not being able to like relate in that, in that way. But like we get authorized for twice a month, you know, telehealth services that two times a month therapy is not going to override all of these like systems level issues that are resulting in depression or anxiety or trauma or whatever. Right. Right. You know, and um, I think I I had that kind of realization um, when I was a therapist, like my first therapy job. um, I was meeting with this client and he was, you know, anxious, stressed, depressed and all this. Well, he he wouldn't tell you those things, but his DHS worker wanted him to get therapy. And then and then he figured the therapy wasn't enough. So he was trying to give me to be like a cop in some certain sense. And I was kind of like. That was kind of annoying, but this this guy, you know, he doesn't really have like the capacity to like work like a job is going to pay him a lot of money, right? His job was he he delivered newspapers, right, which he had to buy and then sell. So like, <laughs> so but then he also got Medicaid, which was eight seventy five a month. So and he and he he was like, you know, I can't I can't give that up, and I also can't work because if I work, they're going to take that away. So it's like, so it's like, what do I do? Like, like, do I give up uh, my, you know, like, do I give up my automatic money for a chance of maybe doing something different for a little bit? Or do I just keep my Medicaid and then, you know, just figure life out? So, so and I feel like that wasn't talked about as, as much as it should have been, like, you know, how the system is keeping him sick, you know what I'm saying? Because why can't you get a job and get Medicaid? You know what I'm saying? Like, like we talk about homelessness. I mean, I'm sure there's probably homeless people, there's people who get checks for $800 a month, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, you know, all your mad because they're out buying booze or you are, are they buying like, you know, food for themselves. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm sure if they could do more, they would do more. Nobody wants to do less, you know? So, but if these systems like, but if you're put in a position where, oh, I know I get 600 bucks a month, and I know I can't work, you know, I'll probably just have to figure it out and just, you know, now I'm like signing up for a life of kind of just like, you know, hustling, you know, so, um, and those things just aren't talked about enough as far as a mental health conversation goes. And that's kind of like why I like, you know, when I was working in outpatient, there was this client who was like, you know, I feel like life is just, you know, tough. Like every month I got to pay bills, I got to do this, I got to do that. And, and I just thought I told her, you know what, there is no solution for your, your problem. You know what I'm saying? What you got to do is kind of, you know, when you get a chance to relax, relax. <laughs> you know, and I know that's like, you know, that's not like the best advice, but she was appreciative for the fact that I didn't like sugarcoat it. You know what I'm saying? For like, you know, she was like, I, I, I appreciate your answer because, you know, like you honestly right. Like, you know, I might have a week where I can just chill and that week I'll just, I'll just, you know, use that week to like, you know, take care of myself instead of, and then I'll start to grind and, you know, in, in the next week because, there is no help for if you don't have enough money to make it and that stresses you out to the point where you're like super i mean if you have to worry about bills 24 7 do you think that's not going to cause like at least at the minimum 
you know, like a GAD, the diagnosis, you know, that's worrying constantly, right? I got to constantly worry about bills, food, and if I got to like take public transportation, that ain't free. So I got to, so I, so I got to, you know, I got to buy gas, you know, so like just constantly worrying, you know, that's, you know, and nobody wants to talk about like how these systems are, you know, maybe totally. in a social work classroom. But yeah, you know, but even then, right? <laughs> even yeah. then, I mean, I was young when I was in my graduate program, so sometimes it's and I was very mentally ill. Um, at the time, I mean, I have a personality disorder, so that doesn't like go away, but um, I was very, very sick and not, you know, not in treatment and all of these things at the time, but like. I don't remember a lot of very realistic talk about what it's really like out there. Um, And it certainly wasn't coming from any um, professors who had been doing the work recently. It was coming from very like, you know, middle-class or affluent old white mostly male professors and I went to the University of Washington which like I think academia is bullshit but like people like to believe that if you're going to somewhere like the University of Washington you're going to get like this prime education right and I remember thinking after I graduated and was working um in the field at like the quote-unquote master's level like oh nothing prepared me for this (laughs) <laughs> right yeah because you don't have what it you don't have what you need to provide for these people you know what i'm saying like you just don't you know like you don't have somebody's gonna need this somebody's gonna need that i mean if you're working in a hospital in the in the discharge plans you right now i don't want to like you know be like a uh <laughs> what they call it a whistleblower but man the discharge plans are just like you're like piecing together two pieces of chicken and call it the chicken breast. You know, you're, you're like you're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to figure out. Yeah, it's like two nuggets, right? So, and and that's not, uh, and that's not the fault of the social worker. The fault of this kind of the system, you know, that we have because, like I said earlier, you know, the high rise building is going to get approved, right? Even Unity in Portland, right? Unity in Portland on paper is a great idea, but I didn't realize that the, I didn't realize, you know, that, um, I didn't realize that they shut down hospitals to make one. Why would you shut? Like, why would you shut down? Like, why would you try to centralize that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you need as many beds as possible. <laughs> like, I don't. I. I that to me, I was like, "Well, this is a this is a failed project, you know. It's yeah. a failed project because, like, you, I don't know. To me, that didn't seem like a like you know, it didn't seem like they thought that thought that through, or or they believe the fact that you know, mental health is a thing to where you can have like you know, one plus two is three type situation. No, like in mental health, sometimes you know, one plus two is negative eight. You know what I'm saying? You don't know how the hell to get whole again. So. Yeah, I don't know. 
Ugh. Yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. We could definitely go down that that path forever. Um, but I have to say, I love working with teenagers. Do you like adore it as much as I do? Because I'm obsessed with these kids, and they teach me so much more than I could ever teach them. Right. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like that's like my groove. Um, um, you know, and I really just like, like I, I'm trying to help them understand because in high school, all the like kind of men bullshit that I, you know, that I learned in high school, it really didn't do me any kind of, it didn't do me any kind of, um, good. Right. So, so I'm trying to be there to help like these young men and women that I work with to like, you know, be themselves, you know, be themselves. Everything you probably taught about life is probably, you know, not all the way accurate, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to, you know, um, do what you feel like is right. Or like, you know, if you don't want to go to college, that's fine. You know, if you don't want to do this, that's fine. If you don't want to like, you know, play football because you're a big six, eight, you know, guy, you know what I'm saying? And you have a coach telling you to play football, but you don't want to, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, like all these things are just, you know, you, you're trying to find yourself and only you make yourself whole. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm continuously trying to push these students that it's okay to be, it's okay to be yourself. You know, it's okay to hurt sometimes. It's okay to, you know, just say, I I don't have enough right now. And I feel like, you know, those kind of lessons that I wish I would have, you know, was taught when I was younger. Because um, I feel like life might have been, you know, a little bit different. I, I, I still don't think it would have been too far off. But, you know, you know, maybe some of those nights where I just felt like super alone might have been that painful. You know what I'm saying? So, like, um, so, yeah, um, for sure. I, I, teens give me raw answers, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they're not jaded yet quite, you know. So, yeah, I definitely like working with teens. I don't know. I, I work with adults for a little bit. And the system now, as far as systems work, you know, Working with adults was easier because you don't have to have that compassion. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that sounds, that sounds terrible, but like, you know, you be pretty short with an adult. Like, hey, you didn't come to treatment, you kicked out. <laughs> right. So, like, you, you know, but with the student, it's like, well, you know, um, you know, you got to prove that you tried every single angle to engage this person before you dismiss them. Right. So, as far as, like, you know, working, that could be more annoying, but. Uh, but but at the same time, you, 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 you know, working with these teens, you know, they really are just themselves, and you know, and they just really are just so raw, and they're trying to figure it out, and you know, and you know, like they're battling, like you know, what life tells them to do, you know, and they're also trying to figure out what they want to do, right? So like, I, so like, I work at a school in the suburbs, and there's a whole lot of academic talk. So like a lot of my students, um, you know, are just struggling with the fact that, you know, maybe I don't want to go to college, you know, maybe I don't want to, you know, uh, have straight A's, you know, I might want to go party, right? I might want to do this, but I want to do that. So a lot of that is just trying to, you know, figure out how to navigate these things, you know, and keep yourself whole as much as you can, right? Because a lot of these kids are stressed because, you know, it's, you know, um, they were told to go to college and 
you know, and college is expensive, so they want to go for free and, you know, all these things. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot. But teens, I definitely adore, adore everybody I work with, for sure. Yeah, they are so fun. These kids, like, <laughs> the, <laughs> I, you know how people are like the audacity of these children. I'm like, listen, right. I have teenagers showing up to my like telehealth sessions with a fucking boa constrictor wrapped around their like, their like neck. And they're trying <laughs> to show me their emotional support boa constrictor named Sprinkles, like, like, and I have kids show up and be like, bro, like I went to the sickest party this weekend. And I'm like, that's really cool. You know, like right. <laughs> they're so cute. I just can't help but like get life and energy from them. But yeah, I mean, like we think that these like tiny developing brains should be acting like adults and they absolutely right. should not be. They should be playing and they should be um, allowed to fuck up. And they're just not. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, like, let's say if I do have this, you know, have a student go to treatment, school doesn't stop. And teachers are so like, well, you know, uh, you know, I guess when they come back, they'll have a pile of work. So, like, you want the student to come back from treatment to a pile of work <laughs> you know it, and you're supposed to be like caring about their mental health you know like so but that's but but it's not the teacher's fault as much as it's the system's fault i'm not blaming the teacher you know saying because there's probably a you know like a higher up telling her you know saying your curriculum has to be x y and z so you know so what's she gonna or he gonna do right you know like there ain't really much they can do it's like all right well Here's your work that you missed, and everybody's supposed to just move on and be well. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty critical of the public education system, and I was um, my my mother was an English teacher for twenty something years, and now she's a principal. Um, and it's really interesting because she deeply believes in what she does, just like we deeply believe in what we do in our system. Mm-hmm. And they're both fucked up and uh, they both influence <laughs> each other. And it's like really hard to be one person in it. Right. Because like one person can change a life, but one person cannot change the system. Right. And that's, the, and that's like the deepest thing you can really realize is like you're you're only in it for like the micro type of impact, right? Because even like at the macro level, you still have to like fight like biases and policies and voting and like, you know, and like kind of like just that kind of rhetoric, right? So, you know, and then you got to fight like things like, you know, trying to make a living so like there's that social worker in arizona who's who who was completely bought by you know lobbyists but then you know of course like you you know the human in me is like you know that's bullshit shouldn't do that but then like the you know the kind of realistic person in me is like well somebody you know i'm saying like if you made thirty thousand a year and somebody comes at you you know hey i got a million dollars for you you know, just vote no on this. What are you going to do? 
you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, I mean, that's just like, the, that's just real. That's just like a realistic thing. Right. But, you know, but that's just kind of showed you like the, you know, like the system that you're going against is, it's just, it, it's, it's tough, you know, because there's certain things that just kind of, you know, have, you know, like, you know, like I'm sure like that Senator is probably just, you know, she's like, Hey, I'm trying to just, you know, make sure that I stress less because she knows how much stress, you know, takes a toll on you. Right. I mean, so, you know, so like stress, stress is hard. So, you know, like, um, so like, you know, like when we have these things where we stress every day, you know, it's just like, it's just like, we're just like down to like, you know, have a breakdown. So, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but, but really just saying that, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just hard to fight the system. Even, at, even at the macro level, you got, you know, somebody there waiting to, you know, buy you out or cut the feet under you, you know what I'm saying? So. Totally. So obviously this conversation has told us that operating within the system is very, very difficult. Um, and it's even more important that we focus on what we do individually, probably, and how we build community and all of these things. But what advice do you have for men around like how to navigate or support their mental health or how to unlearn maybe some of the things that they're being taught about feeling their feelings and expressing their sadness and all of those things. Um, so advice really just know who your friends are. I feel like a lot of, and, and know who your family is too. Like if your friends and family is the space for you, then try to find a different space that supports what you need. Right. Speak up for yourself have boundaries um you know um because you never know what you say could influence someone else right so like you know like let's say like i was the first person to come out in my um you know group and say hey you know sometimes i feel sad you know now i might get three people that laugh at me and you know you know so we shut the f up but i might get one person that says you know what i do too right so so it's things like that um just kind of have have internal dialogue with yourself, you know, often, you know, like, um, yeah, just kind of figure out, you know, like, you know, like what's important to you, right? And what's important to someone else, you know what I'm saying? Like, am I doing this because it's important to me or am I doing this because it's important to someone else, right? You know, um, find somebody you, find somebody you could talk to about just anything, right? You know, uh, like I know there's mentorships out there, who support people that might be, um, you know, struggling with sexuality or things like that. Cause I know that, that is, that is tough. Um, you know, and I can't even pretend to even know what that's like, but I do. Well, I can guess that if you have someone that kind of help you through that process, it would be easier than, you know, than you just doing on your own. Right. So there's a lot of spaces out there, you know, that provide that kind of support. So, you know, research, figure out what you really need, you know, um, boundaries are tough. Boundaries, setting boundaries is hard. People are probably going to leave you. People are going to talk bad about you, but some people might not, you know what I'm saying? But, but I want us to feel whole and everybody's not the same. You know what I'm saying? I got friends that, you know, are, you know, that have certain qualities 
I have other friends that have other qualities, right? I have like, you know, and, and, and I feel like in each way, you know, I feel supported and, you know, all the ways. Right. So, um, so yeah, just, it's, 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 it's a tough journey and there's going to be times where, you know, like where it's going to be easier just to, you know, say effort and I'll do what status quo is, but if that's eating at you, you know, it's going to, it's not going to end well. So yeah, just, you know, research where support is, how to find support, you know what I'm saying? Um, maybe go to therapy if you're in that capacity. Um, yeah, just just find some people that support you and what you need, you know. Absolutely. Do you have any last minute thoughts, things that you would like to share, inspiration, updates on food? Uh, <laughs> um, well, I'm always out. I'm always out eating. If you want to follow uh, my food vlogging, my friend McCurtis, uh, we just called the sweet side of Portland. Um, yeah, we're just always out trying to, trying to figure it out uh, and trying to figure out, you know, um, where the good spots around town is. And, I, and, you know, I started that as like a mental health journey, you know what I'm saying? Because I felt like I needed something to do and I wanted somebody to do it with me. So I hit my, you know, and my guy up and was like hey you know i need some help and from there it's just been kind of you know just fun to do right it's not like so intense like you know our work is so intense and at the time i was working going home working going home i was like i need something to do that's not like super you know like i have to like sit down and like plan out all this heavy hidden content i just need something easy i like to eat so you know so let's figure that out but yeah uh Sweet side of Portland. Um, as far as like inspiration, things like that, I mean, just kind of, uh, you know, put yourself first, you know, in every aspect of life, you got to put yourself first, you know, so um, start, you know, figuring out who's really in your corner, you know, because everybody, you know, be the thing that's hard for me is like, just because you knew someone in one phase of your life, doesn't mean they belong in the new phase of your life, right? You know, so it's like we we evolve every day. And sometimes, you know, this person's here for a season. Sometimes this person's here forever. And it's on you to kind of figure out, you know, which, you know, where they um, lay in that situation. So um, I love it. I think that's wonderful advice. Well, my friend, I just adore following you on Instagram and I'm so excited. I got to see your sweet face on the Zoom <laughs> grid and um, nobody knows this, but you, when I was like, hey, let's, let's chat. And you said, okay, 6am, like that's when I'm up and ready. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be there on time. I was cleaning my fucking kitchen at two o'clock last night watching Netflix. And then I was 20 minutes late and I am so sorry, but um, there's nobody else I would rather get up and talk mental health and men's mental health with at six in the morning. So thank you for letting me be late. I learned so much from you and find so many places that I'm excited to go eat from you. So um, yeah, oh, yeah, thank you, you for all you do. And so people can find you on Instagram at SweetSidePDX and hip hop social worker. I'm not as active on that page, but I'm still there. So if you, you want to connect uh, about social work stuff, hip hop social worker is, is the page.
Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so excited for people to hear your words. No problem. Thank you for the invite. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bold, Beautiful Borderline podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey, and we can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about Borderline and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page. The links to that are included in the show notes, so check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you, and we'll see you next time.